Hello, my name is Rick Pearson, and this is Prophecy USA, a program specifically designed to unveil the hidden mystery of America's role in Bible prophecy. Have you ever wondered if your giving of financial substance is part of the test in becoming worthy to escape the tribulation that is coming? Jesus spoke to the Laodicean believers of the last days, and he specifically warned them about this subject. So stay tuned. We have some very interesting questions that we're going to answer. Welcome back to Prophecy USA. Uh, we're in our podcast studio where Karen, my wife, and I have a weekly podcast every Thursday at 7 p.m. EST time. And Karen, uh, today we have taken some of those questions on our program, on our podcast, and we're going to talk about the Church of Laodicea, which is one of the seven churches that Jesus warned of the last days, they had some problems in Laodicea. Remember the bride of Christ is only part of the body of Christ. Matthew 25 says that only five of 10 virgins were ready for the bridegroom's arrival. Five virgins went with the bridegroom, but as soon as they left, the door was shut behind them and five virgins missed their own wedding. In addressing the seven churches, Jesus was trying to get the bride of Christ ready for his arrival. He specifically stated that we should pray that we are worthy to escape of the coming tribulation. And you know, Karen, one of the most volatile subjects you can discuss with Christians today about end time is what they do with their money. Most people understand the scripture uh, that says, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou may prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prosperous. And most Christians like the fact that God delights in the prosperity of his servants. However, if God's desire is to meet every need and prosper us, is there a spiritual purpose for doing that? The Old Testament says that God wants to inhabit the praises of his people. That's in Psalms 22. And many folks love to worship God through music, singing, and preaching, and giving Lord lip service because praise that is pure invokes God's presence. But what about our hip service? Will God inhabit our finances? Can, can our finances invoke God's presence? Listen to this quick review and we'll be right back. In the earliest days of Bible times, Man did not have the medium of exchange we refer to today called money. Instead, they had the barter system. They would trade with each other animals, crops, precious stones, or whatever they had of equal value within their substance. However, the handling of a person's substance or accumulated wealth was one way that God evaluated a person's character or spirit. It was through the person's material substance that God demanded worship. 
the ancient Jewish people were mandated to give 10% of their first fruits. This is why farmers were commissioned to leave a portion of food in the fields for the poor and widows. Erdman's Dictionary of the Bible states, Leviticus chapter 27 verses 30 through 33 establishes that all the seeds from the land and the fruits from the trees belong to God, and a tenth of all herd and flock are holy to the Lord. The people were expected to tithe their grain, wine, oil, and firstlings from the herd and flock. The tithe also included a social component to care for the poor within society. And every third year, the tithe must be set aside for the Levite, the resident alien, the orphan, and the widow. Blessings from God are directly connected to this mandate. The worshiper is to make all offerings, including the tithe, with joy and happiness. In Genesis chapter 14, the first man ever called prophet, Abraham, defeated his enemies in battle and gave one-tenth of his spoils to Melchizedek, the high priest of the Most High God. Immediately after the act of worship, the Lord appeared to Abraham in a vision and told him, Fear not, Abraham, for I am your shield, and your reward shall be very great. It was at that time that Abraham was promised a son who would be heir to the patriarchal Jewish race. Two generations later, Abraham's grandson Jacob chose to participate in his grandfather's covenant with God by declaring, If God will be with me, and will keep me in this way that I go, and will give me bread to eat and raiment to put on, all that thou shalt give me, I will surely give the tenth unto thee. However, the priority of receiving God's blessings was to establish oneself in a preferred position between God and man, so that God could use Abraham and his descendants to release his blessing to others. Blessing others is what God calls righteousness in Hebrew protocol. The Hebrew word for righteousness is tzedakah, which literally means acts of loving kindness. According to many rabbinical and Christian theologians, the giving of tithe or first fruits of one's wealth was to prevent the Jewish people from becoming greedy and materialistic and allowed them to flow in acts of loving kindness to those less fortunate. They were blessed so they could be a blessing to the world. However, the Church of Laodicea, it seems, has a problem when it comes to the handling of money. Welcome back, folks. Well, Karen has a multitude of questions from our Bible study on the Church of Laodicea. Uh, Karen, what's the first question? Thomas wrote in and he asked, the Old Testament laws do not apply to us in the New Testament. We are not under the law anymore. We don't have to sacrifice animals or do all the rituals in the Bible. I don't believe we have to tithe either. What do you say? <laughs> <laughs> well, we no longer sacrifice animals because Jesus was the sacrificed lamb. His shed blood brought us into a new covenant that did away with much of the rituals and the Old Testament laws. However, the Ten Commandments is still intact. The first four of the commandments detail how we're to love and obey God. But the last six commandments is how we treat others. It's still a, steal, it's still a sin to steal, to lie, to bear, fa bear false witness, and even the, in the woman who was caught in adultery, Jesus said, go and sin no more. Those are all part of the Ten Commandments, Old Testament. The path from God for forgiveness has changed 
because of Jesus' work on the cross. And that changed the Old Testament covenant. But the principles in the Old Testament and how God wants us to treat others is still intact. In fact, Jesus said, do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. He got that from the Old Testament in Leviticus 19.18, where it says, love thy neighbor as thyself. And Paul summed it up in one sentence. For all, have, all the law is fulfilled in one word, even this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But Jesus addressing the believers of Laodicea was concerned 100% about their money and how they were mismanaging it. Now in addressing the Laodicean believers, Jesus did not mention a tithe, but he did infer that their statement, I am rich and I have need of nothing, was a misdirection of their priorities. God was not at the center of their finances. So although he did not say to tithe, he was still very concerned about how they were handling their money. And perhaps this next question will, will verify that. The question that Tina sent in was, Jesus said to the Laodicean church, you are neither hot nor cold, but are lukewarm. What does that mean? When, when it says he will spew you out of his mouth. Tina? Tina. Okay, Tina, um, we just finished our book, The Hour That Changes Everything. And in that research, the theologians who helped me write it came up with a fact that I did not know. Uh, Jesus always speaks in a language that people understand at the time when they live. And at the time of this teaching, Laodicea was a large and prosperous city of industry located on the banks of the Lycus River between the cities of Hierapolis and Col Colossae. I think I got that right. Hierapolis and Colossae. But despite their wealth, the people of Laodicea had one undeniable need. They lacked their own water supply. Meanwhile, Hierapolis, approximately six miles north, was known for her therapeutic hot springs. And the city of Colossae, nearly nine miles south, they were recognized for the cold, refreshing waters that they got from, the, from Mount Cadmus. As a solution to Laodicea's shortage, water for the population was sourced by an aqueduct from the renowned hot springs of Hierapolis. But by the time the water reached Laodicea, it was lukewarm and described as having a nauseating effect. The symbolism Jesus used when he described his disgust would have been abundantly clear to the Laodiceans. Now Jesus always speaks a language that you can understand. And he was specifically talking about the handling of the Laodiceans' money, then and there, which relates directly to us in the here and now. I know thy works, that thou art neither hot nor cold. So then because thou art lukewarm, neither cold nor hot, Jesus said, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Now that word spew in the Greek literally means to vomit you out of my mouth. 
In other words, the way you handle your money makes me sick. Was what was Jesus was saying. Jesus is very graphic at his disgust for how Laodiceans prioritize their money. In fact, this is the only time this word is used in the whole Bible, the word spew. Now here's a question. Why would Jesus be so concerned about people's use of their money in the end times that he would warn us with such graphic language? In Revelation 3.17, it says, Because thou sayest I am rich and increased with goods, and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. This verse makes clear the root of Laodicean's problem. And it's an issue with something we each deal with daily, money. The problem with the Laodicean church was not money itself. However, it was rather how the believers prioritize their money over their relationship with God. Jesus said they were not rich in God. And 1 Timothy 6.10 says, For the love of money is the root of all evil. So the concern was not money, but rather the love of it. Now, Karen, there's a verse in Psalms uh, 62.10. I wondered if you could read that. Psalm 62.10, if riches increase, set not your heart upon them. Okay, so somewhere along the line, the Laodiceans got their eyes off their gifts, or got their eyes on the gifts, instead of the Father of lights, who is the giver of all good gifts. James 1.17 says, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, and cometh down from the Father of lights. They literally forgot that it is God who gives you power to get wealth. Now that's found in the covenant in Deuteronomy, I believe it's Deuteronomy 8. This uh, reminds me a bit of your conversation with that man on the internet who was a oh. little upset with you. <laughs> Do you think I should share that? I think it would be totally appropriate for this teaching. Okay, this man's name was Bob, but I refer to him in private as Beelzebub <laughs> because he really got under my skin. Um, there, was, there was a group chat on Facebook, uh, and we're on Facebook a lot discussing things, uh, and we were discussing tithing, and some were saying that you don't have to tithe anymore, you just have to be a cheerful giver. So I shared how several of my friends in business tithe, including myself, and every one of us believed that God had blessed us because of our contribution to the kingdom and our covenant commitments which are mentioned in Deuteronomy 8.18. And this fellow by the name of Bob got upset with me, and he said, you know, Rick, uh, I saw you on Facebook, and I saw your page uh, with your big plane and your fancy sports car on it, and you call yourself a Christian. Why don't you sell those things and give them to the poor like a real Christian should? Now, uh, Bob didn't know that I'd worked for 32 years in several businesses. He didn't know that I'd been on multiple missionary trips and given cars and, and even the value of airplanes to some of my friends who are missionaries. And I considered these things the rewards of my efforts according to God's promises. Uh, he gives you the desires of your heart. Psalm says that. And I used to fly missions in my early days and to have my own airplane 
in my latter years was a tremendous blessing uh, that I considered. It was, it was a desire of my heart. And you know, Karen, I'd rather fly than eat. <laughs> I, I just love that. flying. So anyway, after that comment, I decided to test the spirits according to 1 John 4, 1. So I said, you know, uh, Bob, uh, that might be a good idea that I give my money, everything away. But you know, uh, I have a friend, and it's a mutual friend of ours, who is a missionary in a third world nation. And I was trying to raise money for my friend who was trying to feed starving children. And so I, I, I made a pledge and I posted a challenge to the cheerful givers who were arguing with me. And I said, I will give so much money up to so much money if you guys can match it. And it was a considerable amount of money in my world. And so I posted that and it was like crickets. No response, no conversation. So I posted it again. It's the same one more again, nothing. So finally, I posted, Bob, I know you're there. What amount would you give to our friend to help those kids? And I even said, you know, $25, $50, $5. Can you give at least $5? And finally, Bob responded and said, Rick, I've given to missions already, and I don't feel led to sponsor so-and-so, who was our mutual friend of 20 years. So I said, okay, that's fine. I'll give my half of the pledge plus your half. And I will tell our dear missionary friend to go to that third world nation and tell those children that their prayers to God have been answered by the faithful tithers in Canada who are going to assist God with the provision that he has given to us. However, the cheerful givers don't feel cheerful enough today to give. Uh, maybe God will speak to them next time when they feel more cheerful. You know, uh, Matthew 23 says to beware of the religious scribes and Pharisees, for they bind heavy burdens and grievous to be borne and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move with them one of their fingers. And Jesus said, for ye shut up the kingdom of heaven against me, for ye neither go in yourselves, neither suffer ye them that are entering to go in. One translation says, you do not go in yourselves, and when others are going in, you stop them. Now the moral of the story is don't let scribes and Pharisees rob you of the joy of giving. When we get back, we're going to talk about the rewards of entering into the full benefits of the kingdom of God by allowing God to inhabit your finances. Because it certainly beats getting spewed out of, your, out of his mouth and cheerfully missing the rapture. Stay with us, we'll be right back. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, for he raises up kingdoms and he deposes kingdoms. But what about America? the most prolific nation in the history of mankind, the most productive nation to ever exist, the most powerful military that has ever been created with the most advanced technology known to man. Circling the globe, monitoring the airwaves, dominating the internet, not since man's first breath has any nation achieved such greatness. But is this lady of kingdoms in the Bible? 
have past generations foretold of her existence. Prophecy USA is proud to present their latest study guide providing over 50 biblical references describing the past, the present, and the future of this great nation. Joining the dots that unveil the hidden mystery of America's role in Bible prophecy. To order your copy of the Prophecy USA study guide, call 1-888-306-1759 or go to prophecyusa.org. Call today. Welcome back, folks. We're answering questions concerning the church of Laodicea. And Karen, we've determined that so far, number one, Jesus rebuked scribes and Pharisees who said one thing and did another. They gave lip service, but no hip service, just like Beelzebub. Jesus also warned us in the last days he will spew some believers out of his mouth based on how they prioritize their finances. Now let's hear more questions, Karen. Thanks, Rick. Sandy wrote in and wanted to tell us that she loves the Bible study podcast. She listens every Thursday night. Uh, and her question is, in your teaching concerning the Laodicean believers, your documentary said that when there was no money, God required the people to give wheat and barley and of their substance. I'm a waitress and I can hardly make ends meet. How can I tithe the money when I'm already at break even? That is a great question, Sandy. Uh, the documentary explained in the earliest days of biblical history, societies did not literally have money as a medium of exchange. Instead, they used the barter system, uh, trading animals, crops, etc. As, ex as exchangeable goods, they would trade. The New Bible Dictionary says in 8th century BC, the medium of exchange were perishable items such as wool, barley, wheat, etc. And they served as exchangeable goods. That's where I got that terminology from. According to scripture, a man's handling of his substance or accumulated wealth was one way that God elevated his righteousness or acts of loving kindness. God demands you prioritize not only your worship, but also your material substance. Exodus 20 says, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Now these commodities that they traded were exchangeable goods, and in business you'll hear the phrase, time is money. Okay? Your money, or your time, is an exchangeable good in God's economy. You can't have money without exchanging your time to make it. But sometimes your time does not produce physical money. So Sandy, as you wait on people or serve them, use that time to serve them to the best of your ability. Sow seeds of kindness, words of encouragement, compliments as you serve others. And as Paul, ex Paul explained it in Ephesians 6, servants be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh in singleness of your heart as unto Christ, not with thy service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart, with good will doing service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord. So let me explain it this way, Sandy. I have friends whose ministries 
feed the poor, but they don't have money because they spend most of their time serving others less fortunate. And in the past, I spent most of my time in business trying to make money. <laughs> so when I gave these ministries my money, it enabled them to spend their time feeding the poor. So you can give money, or you can give some of your time if you don't have money. And if your after hours time is limited, and you, you, you don't have time nor money to give, use that time at work and look for opportunities to bless others. And as you wait on your customers, serve them as if you were serving Jesus. I guarantee you, God will begin blessing you as you bless others from your heart as unto the Lord. Now the people Jesus is referring to in Laodicea have money and lots of time on their hands enjoying it. But they don't own the money. The money owns them. But if you have money left at the end of the week, make sure you prioritize it to bless others. Now in our case, we use the tithe as a beginning point. Uh, but your time is exchangeable in God's eyes, and how you treat others is incredibly important. That's a great explanation, Rick. I've got another question here, okay. though, if you don't mind, from Brian. He's, he says, in Haggai 2.8, it says the silver is mine and the gold is mine. If God owns all the silver and all the gold, why does he need me to tithe my money to his kingdom? <laughs> I think somebody's being a little. <laughs> no, some people think that way. Tithing is not for God's benefit. It's for your benefit and those around you who are less fortunate. You know, he warns us in Deuteronomy 8, uh, 11 through 19, beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God and when thy herds and thy flocks multiply, and thy silver and thy gold is multiplied, this is where Laodicea is living. But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that gives you power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant. Many theologians believe that the command to offer a tithe or first fruits of one's wealth was commanded to the children of Israel to prevent them from becoming greedy and materialistic, which in turn allowed their acts of loving kindness to flow to those less, less prosperous or less fortunate. And you can find that in Genesis 12 too. They were blessed so they could be a blessing to others. However, it seemed that the believers of Laodicea, to which Jesus is rebuking, refuses to bless others with their wealth. God's covenant with man is to provide, guide, and protect. But he does that by flowing through his people who are in covenant with him. And the greatest miracle coming to the bride of Christ is escaping death in the rapture. But according to Jesus, only half the believers at best are going to be accounted worthy. Why else is he warning the Laodicean believers. That is their Achilles heel, is their money. So pray about what you're doing with your time, your talents, your gifts, your money. Show your love to God by blessing others with the exchangeable goods that God has already given you. Make it a priority in your life. 
because I promise you, those who allow the covenant blessings of God to flow through them have no idea what awaits them. So unfortunately, we're out of time, but this is Rick Pearson and Karen Pearson from Prophecy USA, and we're reminding you that Jesus Christ is alive and he's coming back much sooner than many people realize. See you next week at Prophecy USA. Shalom. Shalom.